Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host Elias Ross. Today we are discussing Maniac episodes 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. This episode is sponsored by EliasRoush.com. Photo, video, media. Get your photography, videography, or media created with EliasRoush.com. So today we are discussing Season 1, Episodes 6-10 through 10 on Maniac, the Netflix original. We are wrapping it up. We are just doing it all. Um... I, it became more apparent to me as a uh, creator that this this season can really be clumped in chunks. This it it could probably be binged in episodes of three or episodes of four uh, four if you really have some time. Um, the way this ended up, let's go ahead and we're gonna just jump into spoilers because I'm assuming everyone has finished it by now. Um, first of all, I think this this series was inc- incredibly complex. Um, it was really interestingly well... Di- it, it was really well directed. It, um, it had a style to its own, a style and a theme um, that you can't really place like many others. You know, the, the, the colors in this popped. The themes um, really shined in each episode. I mean, each episode very much felt like a a very, a mini movie because of the way it was formatted. Um, the first half seemed that it was, um, focused much more on Annie with the latter half being focused much more on, um, Owen and both of the performances, but the performances across the board were incredible. Uh, starting with Owen, excellent, each episode, Owen, uh, Joan, Joan, Jonah Hill, uh, really brought, um, excellent chops, acting chops. I mean, he had to play a gangster. He had to play a, um, a depressed guy. He had to play, a, um, he had to play, um, what, what was the other one he had to play? Uh, yeah, a, a, a husband that was trying to get a little bit better at being a husband. I mean, he, um, he played a gangster noir. I mean, he was he had to play so many different types of uh, characters, and it really just let him uh, both both of these uh, actor and actresses. Uh, um, Emma Stone, she had to play a housewife. She had to play an elf. She had to play a gangster noir uh, uh, individual. You know, she also played someone with. Uh, uh, limited psychosis. Uh, she was depressed. She and Jonah Hill brought so many different types of acting to this, um, to to this uh, to the bin. I thought that it was just incredibly done, and you can't compare this series to too many um, to too many other um, uh, series, specifically. Um, the way this is formatted, this can't be done on like a, uh, oh, it could be done on a um, movie, but everything would be super condensed and we would not have as many fleshed out characters as we do. I don't think we would have gotten the doctors, uh, uh, the background of the doctors, uh, too much. Um, two characters I didn't get to, uh, talk about were the, the Emma Stone character as Owen and Annie. They got to play Russian and, uh, 
Icelandic um, actors or actor and actresses. And it was incredible the way that was executed. So let me see if I can uh, gather all these thoughts and wrangle them all together. I believe we finished talking at the end of five. And so we discard, we, we decided to jump into episode six. So episode six, larger structural issues, um, was the episode where Azumi tells James the whole truth about the studies snags and urges him to call his estranged mother an esteemed therapist. This is where we really find out, uh, one, I had said that Dr. Mantle Ray, uh, Sally Field, Dr. Greta Mentoray was um, the wife of Justin Thoreau in earlier episodes. I was wrong. It was, that is his mother. And uh, we we find out in larger structural issues uh, that Gerda has been programmed with feelings and she is a piece of AI that is based off of um, Sally Field's character as Dr. Greta uh, Mantoray. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was an incredible episode with, uh, many memorable scenes. One specifically was the one where they have to contact, uh, Dr. Manta Ray and get her into the, um, into the farm pharm- pharmacy, uh, into the testing lab. And they have this long, awkward kiss and it is just uncomfortable as hell. And we really started to get to unfold how, uh, how awkward Justin Thoreau is with uh, Justin Thoreau's Dr. Manta Ray's character. James is with um, Greta. Those two characters have a lot of history. And uh, later we find out the, the relevance of it, that she's just been a terrible mother to him and just been kind of shitty. And it's really affected him on uh, numerous levels. Um, in episode seven, C.C. Niest Pa on Drill... Uh, Owen and Annie take the C pill, no longer connected. He belongs to a mafia family, and she's a medieval guide hired by an eight allied elf princess. And the allied, uh, her allied elf princess is Annie's sister. Um, I thought the medieval take was, uh, interesting. It was a little bit jarring in the way it was shot. Um, uh, we had Owen running thug life on one side and then Emma on the other Emma Stone playing Annie as uh the elf and I was just like a little jarred by the way both of these uh stories were connecting um I I think this episode connects well with episode eight because the, the way they're they're edited that they're both about 27 29 minutes um they in episode eight Annie and Ella continue their quest and Owen's Mafasio father pressures him to protect the family. Greta counsels a bereaved Gertie. And so in this episode, episode eight, the Lake of the Clouds, we, um, we go a little bit more in depth of, uh, the characters and the reflection, the third, I guess this is the, the sea pill reflection. I don't know. I think this is their first reflection first or second reflection i can't remember if i think this is their first reflection in the sea pill and um yeah i once again i i thought it was done really well um not too much went anywhere with the medieval plot i think that um 
it, it was it, it, it was kind of just there she just happened to be an elf in this medieval time and you know the she makes a deal eventually with uh with fake gert gerda as uh in the ai gerda and she gets she's taken away from her sister um the plugging in the, the conversation that's had with gerda and i'm i'm just going to start 8 9 10 um discussing them um they are 8 is the lake of the clouds and 9 is utankata and number 10 episode 10 is option c so i'm just going to talk about them interchangeably because they really all run together as uh, a narrative once you start getting on a roll on them um but um owen's taken taken down and they uh, eventually they end up in the russian scenario the russian uh alien sci-fi scenario and i thought that was hilariously done with um them celebrating i think it was an uh an alien or something that had come down to earth i'm guessing and the aliens exploded by um a fault in the microphone and Jonah Hill as Owen is uh, whoever the guy is. He's playing in that scenario is hilarious. It had me fucking rolling and Emma Stone just plays a Russian spy just to a T. I mean, she's great. I, I want to see her in a, in a spy thriller. Now she's, she's kind of like my uh, Jennifer Lawrence for, uh, for right now. I think she's doing excellent. Um, but yeah, I thought, that whole scene, just the way the last few episodes roll off, um, I thought helped uh, progress the story a lot. It, it created a lot of tension. Um, Gerda locks down the the place, and once starts once things start going real haywire, I mean, you just want to just keep continue watching. And so, um, I'd say my biggest complaint about this series was. Um, they they opened a can of worms that contained about ten questions, and I think eight of them were solidly answered, and the two that weren't answered were uh, had to do with the trial that Owen had to deal with his brother. I think his brother had some. We find out his brother had some sort of allegation against him. Um, it looked like sexual or misconduct or assault or something. It was caught on tape, and he had to uh, go on go go to court to give him an alibi or lie about it but he ends up you know not doing that and he sends him to jail i would i would assume and uh yeah i don't know it just feels like that was kind of an afterthought i mean it's such a big plot at the beginning and uh it, it's kind of swept under the rug toward the end um i do find the uh the connection with Billy Magnuson's uh, wife, Grimson, his brother Jed's wife, um, kind of unresolved. We we get a glimpse of Olivia Wilde, is I think the character. Um, Olivia Wilde, Wilde, Wilde. Um, that's the chick that Owen had was told to, to me, and that was hired. And she ends up being a reflection in one of his dreams, um, in one of his. She be, she ends up being a, a figment in one of his uh, reflections, and he wants to run away with her. And he 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 gets kind of like the other side of the stick that he that 
she's upset a little bit and this causes him in the real world to uh, once he's out of the reflection to write a note to her to say he's sorry he didn't mean to freak out on her and that type of thing and um, I think he had a mental breakdown and called her a bunch of nasty things and uh, this reflection helped him get perspective on that and um, yeah I throughout this entire thing I do think the music did a really good job um I did want it just a little bit stronger, but I, I, I could really sense it during um, some of the high tension times, um, whether it was Gerda talking, uh, you know, Sally Field talking to herself as the AI technology when she's in, in the system, or um, Justin Thoreau and Azu Dr. Azumi, um, uh, Dr. James Mantle Ray and Dr. Uh, Azumi, um, they were excellent. They I thought they carried just as much of the show as... Owen and Annie did um, in the reflections they they carried the real world on the outside um, I was really impressed we also found out that Emma Stone um, Annie's character and her sister were not getting along basically because Annie um, had a really bad relationship with her mother and the only person that really knew was um, her sister Ellie and because she was leaving she didn't want to really soak it in and take photos and she didn't want to accept that her sister was actually leaving for I believe it was Salt Lake um, from New York um, but yeah I I think the acting performances the 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 theme and tone really set this uh, this show and series apart from others um just being able to jump into different reflections different worlds different realities really was cool um it really gave like a, a eternal so spotless mind eternal sunshine of the spotless mind or something like what is it called eternal 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 sunshine of the spotless mind slash like inception slash like um I don't know, like an interstellar kind of thing. I, it's very psychological, but it also has a lot of heart. And when I mean heart, I mean if if you know what I mean. I I did feel something toward the end when she had to leave her sister. I mean, she's uh she's just talking to her, and um, this is at this is at the part where she's uh, kind of like a miniature mode. I mean. Two or three times, I had talked about this earlier, that they were doing this thing with scale. And it was making, like, uh, Owen massively big when he's trying to um, commit suicide out of his window with uh, after he's run away with those kids and had kids. And he, he falls, and he ends up falling onto, like, a street where we had seen earlier. And uh, that was really cool how that um, whole little setup was. It was like he was falling into a miniature place and uh later he um he does see annie and she's super tiny and kind of like doll size as well so they did some really cool things with uh scale and size throughout the 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 series i mean they did things with theme tone music um they had i mean we're in several different worlds between five six seven eight and nine um, I mean, we go from like a 1940s film noir. I mean, what is four? Four, 
in four we're in like a 1980s uh nebraska in uh in five we're in uh 1940s new war um murder mystery and in, in in the next one i think this is six or seven where they end up I think they're coming back offline, and so we're in the real world for a little bit, and we spend time with James and Azumi and Dr. Greta. Sally Field was amazing in this, by the way. I, I can't say good enough things about her and her performance. Uh, one, discussing with herself, talking to herself, and having these different, uh, I don't know, emotions she has to emote as Greta was incredible, just as the AI technology. Uh, one second, she's... She's like, uh, oh, I'm happy. And then the next second, she's like, oh, I want to kill somebody. <laughs> and so you're like, this lady has, uh, I mean, this uh, AI has just lost its rocker. And seeing Sally Field having to react to how she's acting is, uh, it, it's amusing. It, it's incredible. I'm curious what Sally Field was actually looking at, if anything, when she was doing the scene. Um, we get a lot of backstory between Azumi and James Mantle Ray. I, I think I called it the first episode, um, with the exception of, uh, saying that Greta, his mom was his girlfriend, um, that Azumi and James or Justin Thoreau had a thing. Um, they did have a thing and now I think they're going to continue the thing after cause I, they really worked excellent together. And uh, that that actress is is incredible. I mean, Justin Theroux did such a interesting like pulled back, but uh, it was it was pulled back, but also eccentric in certain areas. Like he'd have to reserve himself in some parts, but then when he was asserting emotion, he was just all over the play. I mean, he would, he had so many different emotions, just as all these other actors had to do. I think Azumi might have had to play maybe two or three note characters you know like she didn't have as much uh uh writing that required her to act in these crazy outlandish ways but when she really got to unleash on sally field and the one up uh, the, the one um scene with james um she's like you're just jealous because i got james and then she grabs justin throne it's like oh! and it's like call oh, my lanta and uh Sally Field just leaves the room and just storms off. Oh my gosh, it was it was a uh, excellent. It was an excellent episode. It, it, there was many memorable scenes that um, I no doubt would would like to go back and watch. I think I had to watch most of these episodes twice because this is such a complex series. Um, I still have no idea what was on that little note that they were stealing. I think it might have been. Uh, something to do with uh, what Owen was trying to fix at the very end. He ends up having Owen and Annie have this uh, climactic moment where they're all, where it's all kind of coming together. And um, Owen has to is talking to Grimson when she finally comes back, and and I never really felt like I got a resolute reason of why Crimson was there, um, and if it was ever true that Crimson was. Um, jed's twin brother i'm guessing it's not true and you know he uh, owen just makes that up but they go through this weird uh 
Rubik's Cube, it's completely, uh, all the sides are all silver, so it's like it's kind of meaningless to us as the viewer whether he's getting it right or wrong, we can't really tell. And even if we did, does he know how to do a Rubik's Cube? Was that like a, a big thing? In the, uh, I, I remember in the first episode, Annie picking it out of the, uh, out of the boxes and throwing it in, on the street and Owen picking it up. But uh, at, for that to be the climactic ending for him to have to to do that, I understand that it's uh, it has to have some sort of puzzle. But I'm not sure if that was the the best puzzle to use. Um, it it did feel climactic, but I I didn't know what we, what for. You know, um, I I think the resolution with Gerda is. Um, a little underwhelming i mean it, it's kind of evident how it's all going you know every you know uh, carl tries to stop it and he she shocks carl and uh um oh i loved uh carl in owen's reflection when he when owen was a gangster i thought that was one of my favorite once the uh as an undercover gangster um carl and adeline i believe were the two um undercover cops in there so there was so much so much to con uh you know to it was like taking notes taking homework notes watching this series and trying to podcast this so i could understand someone that would just want to just binge it get it over with and do it and you caught what you caught and you didn't what you didn't and you're not what you're not <laughs> um but yeah i'm trying to think of uh Anything else? Uh, the the dancing scene and episode five stills crazy with Muramoto like half half there. I mean that was very odd. Um, I felt Crimson was kind of more of a, a a hook at the beginning, and then he didn't he was not reoccurring enough as a character throughout the whole thing that felt uh, congruent as a story arc for me. Um, we got him here and there, and he, he would just give Owen these little clues. But I never felt like we... I'm not sure if I really cared about him that much. I mean, we were told about, you know, maybe the relevance of who he is. But I didn't feel like we actually got uh, who this guy was, why Owen was seeing him. Um, just, I, I mean, we, we, we get these answers, but we don't, like, resolve them, I guess, is what I would say. Um I mean, ultimately, Annie goes and breaks Owen out at the very end of the uh, the clinic, um, and Annie also sees her father out of the a void um, machine box. I just got that. It's called a void. I guess it's like some sort of box that you go in. And it's you know chamber that you go lay in, and um, if you want to try to quote unquote avoid life. So it was a really sweet scene having Annie and her father back together. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was about an eight out of 10, I would say, because theme, tone, writing, acting, they were all really sharp. I just don't know if everything was followed through. Um, yeah, I... I really enjoyed it as an experience, and uh, I would highly recommend it for you know people that wanted to have already listened to this and have not seen it already. But uh, yeah, uh, 
started off a little slow. I remember at the beginning, I was like, I'm not really sure where this is going to go, how much I'm going to like it. But Kerry Fukunaga really brought the fire. He brought the heat. The uh, let's see if I can find the composer because I thought that that composer specifically brought a new sound to um, Maniac than most of the other um, most of the other uh, series on Netflix. I mean, uh, Stranger Things has a pretty memorable um, soundtrack and uh, composer. Dan Romer. Um, is the composer for Maniac, and he's done uh, Beast of Southern Wild, Beast of No Nation, and a couple other uh, other documentary. And uh, let me see, he's done some TV, The Good Doctor, Skin, Skin. I'm not really sure what that is. Far Cry Five. So he's done some things. Uh, Rome, Dan Romer. I like the sound. Uh, I'll throw a couple soundtracks in the end so that you can hear some more of his sound. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this Netflix original special series. Original. HD, 3D, TV. <laughs> Alright y'all, we're going to end it here. Rate, share, subscribe, Lucky Dog Podcast. Check us out. Everything you know for iPhone and Android applications is down below in the show notes. Check out, um, what else do we have coming up? We have a lot of things that have dropped more recently. Um, we have Succession, Amazing Interiors, available on Netflix. Magic for Humans, available on Netflix. If you if you have uh, HBO, Random Acts of Flyness, um, one that many people have already seen, already podcasted about, we're a little late to the game. We are dropping a Sharp Objects podcast as well. Check all these podcasts out. All available in the show notes. 